This is Ken Lubin, the host and founder of the Executive Athletes Podcast, and welcome to this week's episode. I want to thank everyone that's been listening, and thank you for the comments and feedback. They're awesome and an incredible help in this journey to making this podcast better and better each episode. Once again, this is unscripted and unedited, as I believe it it is the best way to get to really know the guest. She was an influencer before the term existed, and when brands like Lamborghini, Cedar Sinai, and Lionsgate wanted to better understand influencer marketing, they called one person, Amanda Russell. As an international fitness icon, SADAF speaker, and brand strategist, Amanda has been at the forefront of digital marketing and social media revolution from its infancy. Amanda designed and co-created UCLA's influencer marketing curriculum, the world's first fully accredited program in influencer marketing, and currently teaches this program along with marketing, branding, and business strategy at UCLA at University of Texas, Austin, to a global audience of students and future leaders. She advises some of the top companies in the world on influencer marketing and how they interact with their customers. Her upcoming book, The Influencer Code, teaches brands how to use collaboration to grow and scale their business. The Toronto Star calls her the real-life Iron Woman and the ultimate go-getter. Amanda is here to help us better understand what influence is and what it is not, how to collaborate more effectively with influencers, and how to use influencer marketing to build our brands and grow our businesses. So Amanda, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is fun. This is sort of a round two for what we've done in the past, but what you're doing is super cool. And I think it's probably more important in today's world than ever. So, you know, for the listeners here, hearing you for the first time, tell us a little, about, a little bit about your story and how you got to where you are. Yeah, the world has changed a lot since <laughs> I spoke. Um, so uh, long story short of it, or long story, I'll make it not so long. Uh, is that, you know, this is the, you deal a lot with athletes. I, I started out as an athlete. Um, I started out from a you know, small town in Canada where uh, sport was really my ticket out. It was like an opportunity to a bigger world. And so um, I was a runner uh, and, and I, I chose running because it was one of the only sports that was uh, free. I didn't require resources. And a, and a big part of it was that um, with running, you didn't have to be seen. Uh, it's very objective, like a time on a track, it's, which is very different than marketing. <laughs> um, it's very objective. So you can run a time on a track anywhere. You don't like you know, a judge a, doesn't have a recruiter doesn't have to come see watch you play. Um, and so I started. Uh, I came from Canada to the U.S. on a full track scholarship, and running became sort of my my identity, my everything. And then. Uh, my career ended like, like many, many athletes have, especially in, in, in those kind of sports do, uh, with a pretty dramatic injury that pretty much ended my running forever, um, in 2008. Um, and you know, I went through sort of this period of like an identity crisis almost because you've been an athlete your whole life. Um, and then, you know, that's, that's your everything. It's, you know, that's your goals. That's your, your day to day and people dote on you and you've got a team around you. And then all of a sudden you lose all of that. Um, and thank God I had had, um, an education, an undergraduate degree, because that was, 
that that gave me one leg, but I but the the problem was that I didn't have a U.S. visa, and so I you know I I was I remember thinking if I can't go to the Olympics, then I want to go to New York City because I feel like that to me is the Olympics of 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 the business world, and I just always had this infatuation with New York, uh, but. I remember my parents being like, what are you nuts? Like you need to come home. You don't have health insurance. You don't have credit history. You like, where are you going to get a, you need experience to get a job and an American company has to sponsor you. But like, why would they sponsor you? You have no work experience. Um, and I tell this story because this is, you know, at the time when I look back, I think that's what started, got me obsessed with the idea of, of what is influential or what, what are the forces that need to that help you get to where you need to be? And at the time, I remember thinking, oh, God, I'd rather be homeless in New York than you know go home and live with my parents, feeling like a complete failure. And so, I remember thinking, you're they're right. Like I don't have experience, so I can't compete on experience. And this wasn't just about getting a job; it was about getting a job in a way that. Um, you know, I had to prove that I was better than any other candidate applying for the job um, because I needed a visa sponsorship. Um, and so, and that's, you know, I tell the story because there are certain like nuggets of it that, yeah, my story is different than everybody else's story, but I think that people can resonate with certain parts of it. Um, and one of the, one of the big takeaways is don't compete on what you don't have. Um, so what are you good at? You know, at, at the time I was like, well, I, I was a runner. Um, I had sponsorship with Nike and, um, people know the term people know Nike and they know the Olympics and can probably imagine what it takes to be a competitive distance runner. So I'm going to use that. <laughs> and so I focused my search down to three big consulting firms in, in, in the city. And I, um, sent each of them, I figured out who the gatekeeper was and I sent each of them a pair of, of old Nike running shoes, like my old sneakers in a box with, um, a note, a personal written note and, um, about how I had all of this work ethic and dedication that I could now give solely to their firm because I could no longer run. And the, the box of shoes got me an interview with all three firms. Uh, the interviews, I really over-prepared like nobody's business. Like, like my life was depending on it. I prepared like I was going to the Olympics <laughs> for these interviews. And, um, on my final round interview of the, the, the firm that I really had my heart set on, they, they made me the offer on the spot. And that was sort of my, my, you know, my, my, my first, my foray into, into New York. But the reason that I tell that story more so is because we look at you know, I'm a, I have an obsession with influencer marketing and so much so that I, you know, I, I thought it was mandatory that we not just create a, a course, but also I'm working on creating an entire minor degree right now at the University of Texas on it. Um, and it's not, people immediately think, well, oh, so you're going to teach us all how to be Instagram stars. And it's almost like nails on a chalkboard when I hear that, because it's, entirely different than that that could be that could be one component but it, it hasn't it's about it's about the same as saying um you know that everybody who plays a sport is is an olympian like there's it, it, it's there's so variable so the reason i tell that story is because i've realized during that process how 
how it's really not about how anywhere you get in business is, is about how you are perceived by the audience, by the party in front of you, by the audience meeting your customers, the audience meeting a boss, the audience meeting who, who, whoever it is that's gonna get you to where you need to go. Um, and that an influencer doesn't have to be a person. It can be a brand, an organization. Uh, like if, you know, I, I, day one in my classes, I say, if I sat next to you in a coffee shop and you never met me in your life and I told you I was developing the next big app, how many of you would have faith in me? And nobody, right? Everybody's developing an app. But if, what if I added to that sentence? Well, oh, and Google's funding me. How many of you then would have faith in me? And everybody, right? Those little words, it's this perception in the head. So, so influencer marketing is really, the, it's, it's not new. Influence has been around since the beginning of time. It's a democratization of technology, of social media and communication technology that has enabled us all of us to reach further, which has also enabled uh, the hyper-fragmented market and distraction, which is why influencer marketing is so much more important, which is really all it is, is just partnerships. Brand, par it's figuring out who has the trust of your audience. And um, so long story, so that, back to the, 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 the story is that, you know, I, I took this job not because I wanted to crunch numbers and work in consulting, but because I needed to have a visa, I needed to have a platform, I needed to be able to have a paycheck and health insurance in the US. Um, and so I, I, I literally used it as a stepping stone um, and I saved up everything, I, like every single paycheck. Uh, and I probably write a book on how to spend no money in New York. Uh, it's not a glamorous life, but... Um, um, so that I could save up enough for the first semester of business school. And then again, not because I wanted to go to business school for, you know, because I thought it would make me more educated, uh, which is probably the wrong answer, wrong way to say that. But the reason I went, wanted to do business school was because it would allow me to stay in New York City with a visa, a, school, a student visa, to then start a comp my own company while living in the city. Um, and it would also help me build connections. And I love, I'm a connector. I love people and I love sort of leveraging connections and putting them together. So, um, so it, and it was a business school that I did. I had the, my thesis was that you can have the best product or service or idea in the world. Uh, but if you don't have an audience, it doesn't matter. And this was in the infancy of YouTube. And so I started a YouTube channel. This is before cell phones even took like a picture. So I bought, um, a flip cam at Best Buy and started filming, you know, I, I, my, my thing was workouts. I filmed workouts because that was the one thing that I knew really well. And I had done so much rehab. So my whole thing was like, here's how to get in shape like a runner without being able to run. Uh, but it could have been anything. It could have been like, you know, scrapbooking if that was my thing, but it was, um, but I chose fitness, but because the, but the model is the same. It was develop this audience. And when you have this loyal audience, they will tell you what they want. Instead of putting the cart before the horse, you develop an audience and then they want, they will follow you to anything. So then, then I developed, um, you know, I realized that I did not own the social media platform. And that's, I think where there's a big fallout is that nobody owns their social media platform that if, if Instagram dies tomorrow and that's your whole business model, you're screwed. So, um, 
you have to offer value somewhere else. And when you have that kind of influence, they will follow you anywhere. So I then um, partnered with Dream Entertainment in Los Angeles. Um, that was a whole other pitch story. Um, and um, they're the creators behind like shows like The Biggest Loser and Amazing Race, um, very old school television. And they were looking to get into digital. I had a digital audience. I was like, I can be your guinea pig. We partnered and we together we built out um, subscription model, uh, online, online fitness subscription model, which in this pandemic has been like the biggest thing, thing mm -hmm. ever. Um, when we built it out back in like 2011, 2012, there was no template for it. There was like, it was like, it was probably the closest. I think all of us, including the partners at Trium came to like a nervous breakdown because you are dealing with 24 seven women who are trying to lose weight and health issues and um, technology that doesn't work. Uh, it was very, it was very interesting. <laughs> Sites crashing, um, consistent content all the time. Like it was, it was, it was, a, it was very, it was completely new. Um, so we were just kind of wading through it, but that became my company. Um, and then I realized that there was a gap in the market because as we went through the process, there was really no one we could even hire to help because no one had really done it. So uh, that became my agency, kind of a boutique agency in, in producing and creating um, online platforms and community for us. Businesses specifically, we specialize specifically in like the fitness, health, wellness space. Um, I branched a little bit into other, into other, um, into other categories, but my heart was really in like fitness, online fitness. Nice. No, and, and that's amazing how you sort of, you understood early on, right? The importance of influencer marketing once it hit the web. Influencer marketing though has been around forever, but now yeah. it's available to the masses. And, and talk to us a bit about that, right? From, you know, the entrepreneur that's a stay-at-home mom to the world's biggest companies. How does one become an influencer? How does one build a brand or their own personal brand? Yeah, that's a good question. There's a million different ways to do it, but I think in order for anybody to, to do that or think about it, the first thing that I think we need to understand is that we're, we can't confuse influence with attention. And I think that's where there, there's a lot of misconceptions is that we just need to build an, we just need to, you know, get all this attention, but attention without trust, without trust is just noise. Attention with trust is influence. And those two components need to happen. So you can, you can build a blog and have like, you know, a zillion followers, but if your content isn't really expert in anything or they don't really trust you or anything, that's still not can convert. And it's the same thing when you go to these agencies and they're going to tell you, that you need, you need an engagement score of X, Y, Z. First of all, my, my, my answer is always like, or my question is, well, what is engagement? And, you know, people will say, well, engagement is like a lot of likes or shares or comments, but you can have, so you do have a recruiting firm, right? So if you, if you have engagement, you, let's say you put out a video of like cute kitty cats or something and it goes viral. Well, that's great. You just got a ton of engagement but how did that help your bottom line? And so I think we need to be more like, it all needs to start with like, what is your end goal? Um, what is that? What do you ultimately hope to achieve out of this? 
And I think that is the biggest gap as of where people get started. It's like, okay, do you want to just get attention for the sake of getting attention? Do you want to be famous for the sake of being famous? But if you have a goal, it's like, if I say I want to, I need to get, I would never jump in the car and be like, you know, I'm going, I'm going to go to um, my vacation. Well, where are you going to go? I don't know. I'm just going to get there. Right. You have a destination. And so otherwise then you're just like, you're just driving all over the place. Um, and it's the same with, with, you know, building your own personal brand, building your company. It's the end goal. And when I say end goal, I don't mean like I'm going to develop 80,000 new followers. That's not a goal. That's an objective that might get you towards a goal, but why do you want those 80,000 followers? So I think the very, if somebody's trying to build a, you know, a brand, they have to think long-term, like what do they want to, in five years, 10 years, where do they see themselves? Are they, you know, it is, is, is a home run to them being like uh, a fully booked speaker at the rate of $30,000 a talk, 12 talks a year. Like, what does that look like? What's the end goal? And then work backwards. And I, and I love what you said earlier on is being an expert, right? And that's what a lot of people don't do. And like you said, they shared a cat video and next thing you know, they're in order for them to keep going, they get to share better cat videos. But, you know, are you going to become an expert in cat videos? No. And, and talk to us about the importance of being an expert in order to be an influencer. They're very di there's different types of influencers and they're, you know, you can, you can be in one category and in another category, they overlap, but expert is one category and they tend to be, be better in certain areas, right? Like an expert influencer is going to be better, especially, um, in products or services that are more either high thought decisions or, um, uh, more expensive decisions, um, or require like health, like medical. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be an expert in a field because then you have um, experts, um, influencers that are uh, influencers by authority, right? So by authority, I hate to say that they're not experts in the field, but like if you get your- There's plenty uh, of authorities who aren't experts at anything, so- I know, I'm like, I'm going to get, I'm just going to get a bunch of backlash if I start talking authority <laughs> next. You put on a police fine. uniform, right? And, right. and authority is not, and, you know, know, being a police officer a, when they can tell, they can tell you to do something. Well, because of that, you know, you don't know them at all, but because of that uniform. Oh, just stalled up for, sorry, yeah. just stalled up for a second. I'm not sure. No, we're talking about authority. So go a little sorry. bit more into authority. Yeah, so there's authority influence, uh, which is one kind of influence. There's celebrity influence, which celebrity um, celebrities aren't necessarily equate. It's not you're a celebrity, you're influential. You can be a celebrity and be influential, but not all celebrity is influential, right? Uh, for example, Scott Disick is like you know a very well known case of of. Uh, it was one of their Kardashian husbands or boyfriends or whatever he is. And he's been, you know, very known, well known as being in and out of like rehab and he's had all kinds of issues. And uh, yet, you know, you've got this, this, this wellness tea company that hires him to promote like fitness, wellness, weight loss tea. It, is he somebody that people are, he's famous, but is some, is he somebody that people are going to trust 
to, you know, drink weight loss. It's not what he's known for. So celebrity doesn't always transfer into influence. Um, and then there's, um, there's a fill, um, I call, uh, uh, affiliate, um, uh, sorry, affiliate, affi affinity is the word I'm looking for, affinity influence, which is often, um, could often be an expert, but it could all, but it's also often somebody that is, that is close to you, right? So if you're making a decision on buying a car, who do you consult about buying a car? Um, you're going to, um, I'll, a cocktail party and you need to bring a bottle of wine. So you go to the wine store. Who's the influencer usually when you go to the wine store, unless you are a wine connoisseur. But if you don't know these people that well, typically people usually go into the store and they ask a person working there. Um, the running shoe store, you're training for your first marathon and you go in and you're like, okay, so the clerk working there becomes the influencer. And that's by affinity. That's not necessarily you know, they may or may not be experts and often those two overlap, but it's more like how you know them. You have trust in them because of how you know them. You think you that they have their best, your best interest at heart. You, they would be someone you would go to. Awesome. So, and, and talk to us a bit about, so you had just recently, you know, there's a new book that you had just wrote. It just came out on digital. You're dealing, you're, it's going to be out, you know, in a hard copy here soon called the influencer code. Let's talk a bit about that because it's super cool what you're talking about. I think it's probably one of the most important marketing books out there. So give us a little bit of insight. Thank you. Well, I actually wrote it uh, because when I was creating courses, I couldn't find, um, I personally could not find any kind of like book or anything that was kind of like a way of the land in this wild west. And anything I did find was either very, very focused on social media, which was like building followings and stuff like that, or very algorithm specific, which change every day. Um, so there's a lot, there's a lot of great social media books out there. This is not that. Um, or there was a lot of articles, but art I found the articles again, very either agency biased or slanted more towards this transactional idea, which is really social media advertising. When you're just paying somebody with a following, to post, that's very transactional. So I wrote the book to sort of be two things. One, to be not a how-to, but a how-to-think. Because the world is changing so fast. Um, and if you're in, in business, you can't, uh, giving somebody a how-to is, isn't gonna help them. If anything, it's gonna hurt them, especially in a field like business and marketing. Because business, marketing, those fields, they're not, hard sciences. They're not surgery. So giving you a template and being like, you need to do this and you need to repeat this every single time. I mean, if that was the case then every business would be successful, every marketing campaign would be successful. The, um, what's the success that comes in a field like marketing and being able to grow a business is being able to take different situations and be, and take kind of I don't want to say best practices and, but realize how it's going to affect you and be able to really be able to, to look at a situation and, and see sort of like the storm and how to think about it and how to apply what you know, to think about it. Uh, and to, to know, and to not be tunnel vision, to be like, you know, every business is like, Oh, we're a business. So we need to do a social media strategy. Well, why, 
why do you have to be on all these platforms? Not every business needs to be on all these platforms. You'd actually be better at doing maybe just one platform or maybe, maybe your business model is such that, you know what, it should be more through, through a partnership model, whatever it is. So one, it's a how to think in terms of like, first, I want to change your entire paradigm of how to look at things. And then I'm going to walk you through like a framework because I think how to think is great, but we're in this field of like this wild west. There needs to be brought some like order and chaos so that you can come, you can leave with like an actionable strategy. So then I walk through sort of like, here are, here are like the steps that I call it the code, like step the, 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 the process to go through um, to create a strategy. Awesome. No. And what are some of the strategies, the best way, you know, the book goes into some of those strategies. What's, you know, for the listeners and sort of a teaser, what are two of the three best strategies that they should originally focus on to try to build their, you know, again, build their own brand or build their own, their company's brand. And it may just not be the company's brand. It could be a product of the company or a sub-segment of the company. Talk to us a bit about that. Yeah, I'll give you um, I'll, I'll give you an example. I think sometimes the best strategies are through example. Definitely. Uh, and and one that I go to is is we we think about when we think about influencer marketing, we think about like fitness, fashion. We think about these like glamorous, sexy brands, but most companies are not these brands. And I actually think that influencer marketing in B two B is probably even more powerful. Um, but I'll you know an example of this is I was I wrote this I did a case study on it because I was very 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 fascinated. Um, but there, I moved to, to Texas recently, um, and there is, you know, it's a whole different country down here. And I learned about this place called Tractor Supply. Tractor Supply is like the Walmart of like the horse feed farming industry, apparently. And that is not a sexy brand, right? So if, so if I am tasked with, uh, trying to grow the do-it-yourself home farming category at Tractor Supply, how am I gonna use, how am I gonna do that? How am I gonna go? It's not as simple as finding an Instagram star to post about their backyard chicken farming. Not really the right audience. So what so what Tractor Supply did, and this is that this I think this is you know where it comes to is is step two, which is you're don't start by looking for an influencer. Start by looking at your audience. Who is your audience? And real, the better you know your audience, then you ask them, ask who is influencing that audience? Where are they going for their problems, for their solutions? What are they searching for? And then who's, what, who and where are those answers coming from? And through doing this, they found a guy named, he names himself the Chicken Whisperer. And his name, his real name is Andy Schneider. And Andy Schneider is a backyard chicken farmer. And he has this cult-like following. I, I could go on about this guy, but just to give you the short of it, the fact that he has uh, everyday live blog talk radio for two hours a day with 20,000 listeners tuning wow. in daily, Monday through Friday, for two hours, talking about backyard chicken farming. So this guy, so the tractor supply partnered with Andy and they helped him grow his business, sell his books by him doing workshops at Tractor Supply. Well, every workshop that he does, he sells it out. Not only does he sell it out, he's, he, um, he sells uh, chickens, but not just the chickens, all the paraphernalia that go with the chickens. So every, um, on average, I think every workshop that he does for a Tractor Supply, he, he sells about 
10,000 to $15,000 in chicken paraphernalia. Oh, and tractor supply. It's, it's, it's amazing. Funny thing is during this whole pandemic, I've buying my gym flooring at tractor supply. They call it equestrian flooring and, and they can't even, they can't keep it in stock because everyone's buying it for their home gyms. It's, that would be a good influencer campaign then. It's, it's crazy. It could be an amazing one because that's where, no for, one you know, 40 bucks a sheet versus buying it on rogue at 200 yeah. bucks a sheet. I wish I had done that. Oh yeah. I wish I had known that when I built my home gym and oh, yeah. I went to Rogue. Yeah. Um, oh, that's, <laughs> but see, those are the things that like, it's like, okay, so rather than looking for an influencer for your brand, look at your audience and what, like, you almost have to go through, like, if I was a client, I would actually go through this process, which is almost like, it's, it's almost annoying sometimes where it's like, you know, you're going to be, you're going to answer these questions, but if you're the, if you're the customer what are they asking? What are their pain points? What are their problems? What are their desires? And one thing that we don't do often enough, and I've got friends with businesses that I'm like, how many customers, like real customers or clients have you actually asked? Because we like to formulate these thoughts and ideas, but we don't actually just ask the audience. And it's amazing. Cause actually a friend of mine, she's like, well, you're, you are a customer. Like, you know, she's a jewelry designer. You are a customer. What, um, you're right. What magazines do you read? So sometimes it's like, it's like, it's like the obvious that just, we just don't do. So no, I think that's the biggest thing is don't look for the influencer, look for the, get to know your audience and ask and find out who's, who they're looking for. And nine times out of 10, they'll tell you, right. Be like, Hey, exactly. talk to this person or talk to that person. And, and like you were saying, the backyard chicken guy, or it could be, you know, there's this guy who writes an article, he's got a blog called Semi Rad, right? And he makes fun of himself that he's not the super cool outdoor guy that every magazine and stuff thinks you should be. And he's like, no, I'm sort of semi rad. I've done some sort of cool stuff. And his following is unbelievable because then all of a sudden he dumbing it down that you don't need to be, you know, Alex Honnold or Lance Armstrong or any of those stuff. You can be normal people doing cool adventures, right? And I think understanding the that audience is is huge because they yeah. can relate with those people yeah no absolutely so i think that would be one one uh probably big that would be step two which is and this idea of really spending the time up front to build community to build relationships it's a relationship world and a relationship business and too often times we want to like shortcut or skip steps just to like get a campaign going and a campaign launching in like the black sea it might get a little traction and then it's a blip and it's gone but if you take the time up front to build the foundation build the relationships and then you launch a campaign that's when it goes big and you know uh one last quick thing is people will say well what about like you know these viral campaigns what are some of the best branded viral campaigns like dollar shave club or whatever people don't see that that was not an overnight success how they really seeded the market how they built certain relationships with certain brands certain tech platforms certain video companies that would then broadcast this um with the the, the tonight show they even did a special clip prior to that so that that show or whatever show i think it was one of those kind of shows would have that clip when it went viral ready to play like these were it was not it was not like they did this video and just went viral like and i think that's 
that's what we have to, we, we, we tend to want to do things too fast without really laying the foundation. We don't just put up a, it's like, you wouldn't just throw up a tent and be like, all right, kids, we're moving in. We build a house, right? You build the foundation and the more, the, the better the foundation, the stronger the house. And it's the same with business. No. And one of the things, I don't know, I'm sure you've probably read the, the essay by Kevin Kelly, a thousand true fans, right? And once you have a thousand true fans or even a hundred true fans or 10 true fans that are buying your product, it's really when you can start becoming that influencer as well. And I think that's, and that's huge. And that's really a lot of the stuff that you're talking about. And I love it. I think it's, I think now it's more important than ever, especially during the times of COVID that you have opportunities to become an influencer that you never knew you had because if you suck, no one's paying attention anyways, but if you're good, yeah. you have the opportunity to really do something and you can really change from sucking to being good, you know, fairly quickly, but it, it's not, it's not easy, right? It takes time, but if you're willing to learn and put the work in, you can, you, know, you can change your life via you know, doing what you're doing or being an influencing marketer. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Every, anything great takes time and effort. <laughs> oh, it does. So tell us where people were coming up over 35 minutes here. Tell us where people can find your book, where they can find more about you. Um, I'll post everything, you know, in the show notes and everything on the blog, but you know, I, I'd love to hear from, from you where everyone can find you and you. all your yeah. stuff. So I can give you the links below the, in the show notes if that's easiest, but my website is just my name, Amanda Russell with two S's and two L's dot uh, co, not dot com. Um, my book, you can also, it all redirects to the same page, same site, but the book is called The Influencer Code. And so theinfluencercode.com is, um, the book is on, on Amazon as well. And it's on pre-order. The digital copy is out now, the Kindle copy. Um, and then the, the print copy you can pre-order now. Uh, and if you pre-order now and you send me via the website um, um, a screenshot of your order, I will invite you to the book launch party. Uh, and the reason the book launch party is so exciting is um, it's going to be, well, not because it's on Zoom. That's why it's not exciting. But uh, <laughs> we're going to make it exciting because um, uh, we have Andy Roddick, uh, who for all the athletes out there, is going to host it and uh, do the interview. So that'll be really fun. Awesome. And Amanda, this is great. I appreciate your time. And your class, I'm sure, is amazing. You said, you know, earlier on that you're captivating people for three hours because, you know, you've got great content, number one. But number two, it's, it's so important in today's world. So keep doing what you're doing and keep up the good work. Oh, thank, thank you so much for having me and for all your support through this. You have a great program. You're one of the few that I tune into. So thank you so much. Awesome. Awesome. And if anyone has any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to reach out to me at kenoftheexecutiveathletes.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you need anything, let me know, but keep out there, keep on crushing it and keep going after it. Thanks for listening.